Good afternoon. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County, welcoming you to the October 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly live interview show, the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. This month, we have a double header. First, we welcome Randy Cohen, Vice President for Research at Americans for the Arts, in an interview recorded this past Friday. And then we welcome Suzanne Kachmar, Executive Director of City Lights Gallery and of the Bridgeport Art Trail, and other guests, to preview highlights of the Art Trail coming up November 10th to 13th. But first, let us welcome Randy Cohen. So, Randy, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, so please tell us first about Americans for the Arts. What is it? Um, and when did you start working for America, for after, after, as I believe it's called? Yeah, well, thank you. And um, it's great to be with you. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> Americans for the Arts, we are a national advocacy organization for the arts. Uh, and quite simply, we're just trying to make sure everyone in this country has the opportunity to participate, to engage, uh, to, per, you know, to personally create, to have the arts as part of their lives. And to do that, you know, as we know, our community organizations, our nonprofit organizations um, require support to help make the arts more accessible. So we try to get more funding for the arts, more favorable policies for the arts. Uh, we try to make sure every child in this country is receiving a quality arts education. And then as to how long I've been doing it, um, you and I have known each other for a couple of decades. And um, I started there in 1991, so 31 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd like to say, I, you know, I was, I was in middle school when all that started, but I was actually in adult. All right. So... Um, how has it changed? I mean, you've been there for 30 years. Um, when you're in an organization for so long, sometimes you don't no notice. It's like a frog in boiling water, right? You yeah. uh, just don't notice the changes. But looking back, um, there have been quite a few changes just recently. How would you say this organization has evolved? Well, I'd say it has grown considerably. I think, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's um, it's a uh, resilient organization, but you know when we started, I was one of seven people. You know, we were small, we were scrappy, we were serving local arts agencies, arts commissions, uh, organizations like yours. Uh, and over the years, um, in addition to that, uh, the advocacy and the leadership work expanded more, and uh -huh. so we really tried to uh, start to make sure. Um, you know, business leaders uh, understood the value of the arts and government leaders and, um, uh, and, and also, you know, making the case, they help expanding the case making, uh, you know, for the arts is just something, you know, it's interesting, um, you know, when we come to town here, we'll be talking about economic impact of the arts. Uh, when I first did this study, you know, in the early 90s, um, I got a lot of pushback from the arts community. How can you talk about the arts this way? You know, this isn't this isn't what the arts are about. They're food for the soul and and the character and the richness of our community and you know core to our humanity, which of course is absolutely right. But the fact is, hey, good news. 
they're also good, you know, for the economy. And it turns out um, for education and healthcare. And over the years, we, and of course, so many others, you know, I mean, I, we do our small part and then we try and gather all the phenomenal work done by, uh, by others. Unite the research uh, of how the arts strengthen our communities and, and us as people um, cuts across all aspects of our lives. So in a way, what we've really learned is through this research, the arts really are central to our communities and to our humanity because um, you know, they just make everything better. Uh, mm. You know, creativity. I mean, it's it's fundamental to our humanity. So you're the you really are the principal advocacy organization for the arts in this in this country. Well, yeah, well, yeah, and there's there are a lot of um, organizations uh, that do it, yeah. but that's you know our our. Well, the, you know, what we really put our focus on is, you know, the federal arts advocacy and, um, you know, and through, you know, partnership and alliances, um, you know, in advocacy, uh, sometimes folks ask like, well, how do, how do you be a good advocate? Because there's a whole library there. And I don't want to read all those yeah. books. You know? <laughs> and, I, you know, you can break it down to three questions. What's the message? Who gets the message? And who delivers the message? In a way, that's how I think of our work. You know, what's the message? Well, you know, we're going to talk that, um, you know, arts in Fairfield County is $235 million industry. It's almost a billion dollar industry. That's just the nonprofit arts and culture industry, almost a billion across the state of Connecticut. Um, and it supports jobs and it generates government revenue. Um, so that's a message. Uh, who delivers the message? Well, here we are, you know, me and you and, and, and all the people we work with. Um, well, who gets the message are those decision makers, right? Who, who are the, uh, uh, the um, authorizers in our environment? But who delivers the message actually is what I, um, is, uh, I think so powerful because in a way we're the usual suspects, you know, and, you know, when they I go up to Capitol Hill, I mean, you know, they see me coming a mile away, right? Guys cover up their wallets, the ladies lock their purse in the, in the drawer. Um, but when we can bring, um, you know, a hospital CEO and a school superintendent, uh, when, you know, at our city council hearings, you know, when we have high school students, you know, doing poetry and we have community organizations um, playing music or singing. Um, so everyone trying to get everybody to bring, you know, uh, bring the message is, is really And certainly here, yeah, you know, we're trying really hard to expand message where there's a really big push now to get the legislators um, involved. Um, mm -hmm. After the wave of ARPA funding, everybody now is, you know, really <laughs> getting ready to extend that to say, look, look at the impact that yeah. we're having, um, which of course takes me to research. So you're vice president of research. So in order to be a good advocate, you need good research, right? Mm -hmm. um, so um, how do you do that? What do you do? What is the range of things that you're engaged in in terms under the, this umbrella of research? Yeah, well, we, um, you know, we've got areas of uh, focus. Obviously, we look at economic impact. Um, yeah. uh, you know, we're looking at uh, arts and the creative economy. So, you know, some areas of how the arts touch our industry. Uh, but I think some of the most important work out there is 
um, in the area of uh, arts education. And, but, you know, a lot of scholars are doing that, right? I mean, there's a whole academic industry. uh, And that's so important too, because, you know, that research shows when a young person has an education rich in the arts, they're performing better academically, better grades, um, lower dropout rates. And honestly, I consider the arts saving my life that way because um, I don't know if there's irony here of being the research guy. It wasn't a great student early on. You know, I mean, whatever was outside that window was the most interesting thing going on that day. It took took me a while, but it was the arts that kept me so engaged in school and um, and coming back and uh, and and eventually developing a real interest in learning and being a a lifelong learner. I think some of the most. powerful research though these days are um, what we find with our big national public opinion surveys. So we do the largest public opinion surveys on the arts, uh, you know, out there. We do it every couple of years. And there's just powerful research on how the arts um, unify our communities. 72% of the American public says the arts unify communities regardless of age, race, or ethnicity. 73% say the arts help me understand other cultures in my community. Um, You know, and that's something, I mean, we, our communities were fractious before the pandemic, but then you add the isolation, the loneliness, uh, just people being in their homes for two years effectively, uh, which isn't good for our mental health. And now you've got the arts, which um, get us out of our homes and into shared public spaces. And it might be a festival or a performance or an exhibit and, um, and having shared experiences. Nobody cares who you voted for or where you practice your faith. You know, we're at this great festival. We're seeing Hamilton for the third time, you know, so uh, I, I think that's uh, that to me is really exciting. Uh, yeah, that, that's so that's important exciting. right now. Um, I, one of everyone's favorites is your annually updated 10 reasons to support the arts. I love that. It's yeah. very compact. Um, you look at it each year. <laughs> um, can you say about, a bit about that, uh, how that got started? And uh, Sure, sure. Well, it's kind of a funny story, like everything is in life, right? Um, one of our uh, development people were down in Texas and we were doing a convention there. And then, so they were talking to some uh, arts donors and everything. And after the meeting, he pulled one of our development, uh, one of the uh, arts patrons there said, listen, we're trying to get a new culture center built in our community. And I just need like that, your one pager with just like, why to support the arts on it. So it came back to me and I'm like, huh, well, I've got lots of one pagers, but you know, one page for each topic. Let's talk to the government affairs people. They must have it. Well, they didn't have it either. And uh, so, you know, stayed up all night, wrote one up. Uh, We refined it the next day. And it's it's 10 reasons to support the arts, social, educational, economic, uh, personal well-being, um, community unity, creative economy. And uh, and it's our most popular download by a long shot now, but that's what people want. You know, they just want everything compact, uh, yeah. compact one page. Um, it's like, you know, it's a Swiss army knife, you know, for arts yeah. advocacy. Um, one of the most uh, things I love most that I'm tracking these days. So in addition to the community well-being piece is the mental health uh, research that's going on. And I highlight that now in our 
top 10 reasons to support the arts. And there's a lot of big national research and international research studies going on now um, that were done over the pandemic. And basically, um, you know, in the United States, we saw mental health issues yeah. triple effectively. Yeah. Yeah. But what the research shows is if um, arts and creative expression activity, so it'd be arts, uh, could be gardening or culinary, but some of that done every day reduces depression, reduces anxiety, increases life satisfaction, hmm. you know? And so um, I always love when the arts can just help us get through these hard times because then later we look back and we remember, oh yeah, you know, that, you know, the arts really helped me get through, you know, these challenging times in this pandemic. Um, just switching a, a bit to um, just to to get into the economic prosperity study, um, you know, Americans for the Arts appears to work really very hard to connect the arts businesses and municipalities. Could you say why, like succinctly, why is that important? Why is it important to connect the arts to businesses and municipalities? Mm -hmm. Well. Ask any legislator what their three priorities are, and they'll tell you: jobs, jobs, and jobs. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. um, if this is what's on their mind, we're going to connect our arts and cultural product to those three priorities: jobs, jobs, and jobs. Uh, and that's what these economic impact studies do. You know, in our last um, arts and economic prosperity study in 2017. And, you know, I was with you all for that, uh, you know, close to 6,800 jobs supported right there, you know, in the County. Um, and it, and so jobs and employment are a big issue. And one of the things, you know, I'll just mention related to that number without going into a whole lot of detail is arts organizations employ more than artists and curators. Um, you know, there's marketing people, there's accounting and auditor people. If you've got a museum or a performing arts center, you've, you know, you got to maintain the building and you got plumbing and all that. And, and arts organizations are good business citizens. They purchase goods and services from other businesses locally. Um, and so this really, it's a myth buster for a lot of folks because, you know, everybody loves the arts. You know, we love the concerts in the summer and let's go to the Nutcracker around the holidays or something. But it's just not an intuitive way to think about uh, the arts as an industry that provides both cultural and economic benefits. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're coming to visit us, uh, coming to Fairfield County October 19th. Yes. And we've arranged uh, breakfast, lunch, and cocktails for you to meet different cross-sections of the arts and cultural community yeah. here. And the whole, the point of the visit, really, I think, is to get people excited about this study, the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study. Now, I don't want to uh, give the whole game away, but uh, can you just tell us succinctly what the AEP, the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study, is how it got mm -hmm. started and why should people care? Yeah, well, so um, Arts and Economic Prosperity is an economic impact study of nonprofit arts and culture organizations and their audiences. Ah. Uh, and this, as you said, is the sixth. We do it approximately every five years. It's our uh, largest, Fairfield County, one of 395 communities across all 50 states that are part of this. Uh, we have communities as small as 1,400 people, as large as 4 million people. You know, if the arts are happening there, 
there's going to be an economic impact. Uh And it's the only study that um, provides all of these communities the opportunity to make that local economic case and also be part of a big national study. Uh, And so um, we look at, uh, and when I say nonprofit organizations um, and cultural organizations, yes, nonprofit, but also municipal organizations, um, really community uh, serving arts programs. So, you know, it might be a uh, you know, an arts program or a music series at the library, you know, and uh, um, or, you know, a program at a social service organization, uh, that type of thing. So um, it's the largest. This one's also the most comprehensive and inclusive one. You know, we've noticed um, and observed in our past study an underrepresentation uh, of BIPOC organizations, Black and Indigenous uh, people of color organizations. And so uh, uh, we've really changed the whole methodology and expanded the work uh, to make this much more inclusive. And, you know, for the first time, we're requiring a certain percentage of uh, the audience surveys be collected at those organizations whose mission is to uh, serve those BIPOC communities or those um, advance those BIPOC art forms. And um, so it's, uh, it's, it's going to be the most inclusive um, and in the economic uh, impact analysis that we'll do, and so and this will these will come out in about a year. But you know there'll be a big report about the county, uh, and it'll say you know this much spending by the organizations, and and then the audience spending, and you know a little bit about the audience spending. You know when we go to the arts, um, it, it's an event. You know we may drive there and pay for parking and. Uh, go see the show and go, you know, have dinner and you, know, you got little ones at home. You double the cost of the evening on babysitting. You know, we found in the last study in Fairfield County, the typical attendee to an arts event spends about $34 per person per event, not including the cost of admission. So the arts are good for all these local businesses. The arts are also good for local development because what we found in our audience surveys is one in five people came from outside the county uh, to attend that arts event. And then, of course, they spend, uh, you know, a lot more. They spend about $44 per person per event. Again, more money going to your, you know, to local merchants. And I think one of the most fascinating pieces of this is we asked all those non-local attendees a really simple question. Why are you here? We're glad you're here. Thanks for coming. Um, 90% of them said, we're here specifically for this arts event. You know, we asked them, are you here for business, visiting family? They said, no, we came for this arts event. So the arts um, bring people to the community. They come to enjoy, you know, the cultural resources and cultural riches riches there in the county. And, you know, they're, uh, they're helping out local businesses along the way. And so that's a really important message. Why are we doing this? Because we're sending the message that the arts are an industry. That when we support the arts, you know, with public funding, with county, with city support, when we make our personal donations to the arts, we make them for a lot of reasons. But now we know those dollars aren't disappearing down some black hole of goodness. You know, it's giving back to the community in so many ways. And, you know, the results of this, I remember the last time around, five or six years ago now, um, we produced a little infographic sheet and um, it's powerful stuff. 
And it's great um, for us to present to um, municipal leaders or to legislators, but then for all of our member organizations, you know, it's really mm-hmm. good material for them to use as ammunition. Um, it's yeah. not you giving us money, it's investing in, in us so that we can <laughs> make greater return to you. So mm-hmm. it's a real, real full circle. There's a whole ecosystem. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's a win for everybody. Um, but unless you do the research, uh, yeah. you know, you don't know. And so I'll say also, in addition to that, you know, larger countywide report, we're doing an additional analysis on the economic impact of the BIPOC organizations and their audiences as well uh, to provide um, uh, to document, you know, the economic impact that's happening there. Uh, because honestly, what we see nationally uh, is, you know, maybe these organizations have always participated in the past, but you know, sometimes they say to me, Randy, we're part of it. We get the economic impact study. It's important for advocacy, but you got to know, you know, when the funding comes by, organizations that look like mine, you know, organizations of color um, yeah. are not competing as well. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, you know, hundred things that have to be done in this world there, right? But this is going to be one real solid piece. Uh, and we've got, um, you know, the methodology, the surveys, all of that. Uh, we've got people from the BIPOC uh, community. We've got researchers who've really helped us re- rethink, reimagine uh, how we're executing this study. So um, it's very, it's very exciting. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great to hear that it's a really dynamic survey and that it's really responding to what's what's going on well um we're really looking forward to you coming visit us in fairfield county october the 19th uh we're we're trying to rally the troops here um but your stop here is uh, one in what i don't know uh how many <laughs> how many well, visits about are you doing? How, what's the tour that you're on um well you know this is sort of a, a tour um before the study just to i uh, you know help rally folks, uh, talk to the community, because when you go to an arts event and somebody shows up, you know, with a little necktie and a badge and says, will you do this survey uh, for us and tell us about your expenses? You know, those are the audience surveys. And, you know, we're going to do a bunch of them uh, in Fairfield County. And so I hope everyone will please trust this. It's not a political survey. Everything's confidential. We don't care who you're voting for. It's not election related. Um, It's just Tell us related to this arts event, um, you know, about your spending. And then there's also um, a couple of social impact questions that are new that we're also asking um, about, you know, this organization or event that you're at and what it does for community pride um, and, uh, you know, the importance of being there uh, in the in the future. Sorry. Um, so, uh uh, it's uh, it only takes a couple of minutes, and so I hope everybody's able to um, complete the surveys. Terrific. So um, this is a recorded interview. Where are you today? So today I'm uh, I'm in Tampa, Florida today, wow. uh, and I started the week in uh, in Idaho. Um, so and then uh, I'll hit a few more cities in Florida and make my way up to Connecticut. Well, it seems that uh, we've got another, yet another sense that COVID is over and that we're moving forward and people are eager to um, attend. So we're 
looking forward to a, a great response to, to your coming here. And uh, thank you for your time today. I'm looking forward very much to seeing you in uh, 10 days. Great. Well, I look forward to being there. Uh, and um, the community is wonderful. And um, I love Connecticut. I've got family in Connecticut, so I get oh. up there uh, a lot. And so uh, uh, it's an area near and dear to me. And so uh, um, anything y'all ask, uh, I'm here for you. Okay. That's great, Randy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Bye. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and the October 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Our program today first introduced Randy Cohen, Vice President for Research at Americans for the Arts, in a recorded interview about himself, Americans for the Arts, and the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study, now underway. The second part of the program today is dedicated to highlights of the upcoming Bridgeport Art Trail, with Suzanne Kachmar, Executive Director of City Lights Gallery, and of the Art Trail, and other guests. So let's turn to the upcoming Bridgeport Art Trail, November the 10th through 13th, I'm delighted to welcome our good friend and colleague Suzanne Kachmar, Executive Director of City Lights Gallery and the Bridgeport Art Trail. And with her today in the studio is artist, gallerist, entrepreneur Chris Dam, founder of Ursa Gallery at Bridgeport. And later in the show on the phone, we'll have artist Richard Collini and President and CEO of Bridgeport Downtown Special Services District, Lauren Coakley-Vincent. So, Suzanne, welcome, and here we are again. Yeah. The 14th Bridgeport Art Trail. Yes, thank you so much for having us. Oh, not at all. Congratulations, not only on reaching this far, um, surviving the difficulties of two Mm. art trails in the thick of COVID, but also with what seems lined up to be the best, biggest and best (laughs) BAT ever. So, for those who don't know, tell us what the Bridgeport Art Trail is and why it's important. Well, we call it a citywide open studio and art celebration. And it's kind of like a um, arts homecoming for some of the uh-huh. arts community locally. Yeah. You know, um, November and October, I should say, is the open studio kind of season. You uh-huh. know, Stanford, yeah. New Haven, and uh, Bridgeport, and I think even Hartford. So artists know, and the um, people that support or are, are interested in these kind of events, they know this is a time of year that they can go visit art studios. And one of the really uh, cool things about this is that you get to go into artist spaces that normally aren't open throughout the mm-hmm. year. So mm-hmm. we do have events happening, for example, at the Bijou Theater, the Klein, uh, Housatonic Museum of Art, but getting into artist studios and seeing how buildings have been repurposed from factories and warehouses to places where art is made is really very interesting in and of itself. And then you get to see the new art that artists are making. So that really is the core of the trail is the artist studios. And there is no other place. um, It's certainly in Fairfield County that has so many 
artists' built artist buildings, and I mean, they're all really full. Is, yeah, there is hardly any um, um, open vacancies in these spaces right now. I wanted to just count up and see how many we have. One, how many studio spaces we really have? One, two, three. We have about six of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, including the Reeds building where people live and work. So yeah, there's a lot to do, and those are open on Saturday and Sunday. Um, on Thursday. It's generally, we kind of focus on downtown art venues because mm. there's a, a good number of those in a few blocks. And we have our big kickoff party on Thursday right. night. Um, it used to be primarily at the Reeds Art Space, the downtown gallery, which, you know, we could have 350 people in there at a time, five or 600 people come throughout the night. But since COVID, and also because we have this other great space now that's been activated, we actually throw uh, hold our party in two places. Oh. So we get people to meander and mingle to go to Reeds as well as go to the arcade where there will right. be venues open and we're going to activate some of the spaces, the storefronts that at this point are temporarily not being used. So we'll have some pop-ups in there as well. And we'll have live music in both. We'll have food and drink in both. And it's all free. That's great. Um, so before we get to the details, um, how would you say the art trail has grown over the years? Uh-huh. And how would you say this one was different from like from when you started this yeah. years ago well we um i i'm much chipper than i was last week anybody who talked to me last week <laughs> <laughs> could probably attest to that last week we were putting together the program book which is a 34 page full color book that um we do now every year and it takes us almost a month i'd say to get everything and a few weeks before to compile and as i say Uh, heard the cats to get all the info from everyone but um that used to be a one pager the first year it was one page (laughs) Uh with the map (laughs) (laughs) and so now it's 34 pages 34 pages that is amazing yeah Yeah. i think there's about 40 venues or sites and within them then you could have things like the bridgeport portrait project or the pachacacha the bijou so the bijou is a site but it's got multiple programs that are Mm -hmm. going on in there as well so you know we we um we estimate over 200 artists are involved at some level and represented and then we're going to have the pop-ups, so that will hopefully even get artists who might not have a public space to show art to be involved. So that mm-hmm. information is all coming. It'll all be on our website, bridgepartarttrail.org, if people are interested in submitting work. So um, I would say if everything isn't up there today, within the next two days, go back and there's a red banner on the top of our website, which have the most... Um, important and current news. Great. That website again? um, Bridgeport-art-trail.org. Okay. Um, So are we coming out of COVID uh, with number 14? You've had two that were quite affected by the pandemic. Have we left it behind? You know, I feel that, you know, I go in the grocery store, I have to say, August 15th, I had COVID for the first time. So I kind of feel like I've been inoculated with the latest... (laughs) strain. But, um, you know, I have a feeling that some people will be wearing masks again within a few weeks, you know, as um, we're more indoors. But I think we're learning how to live with this. And one of the things that we did was we will make the hand sanitizers and the masks available. But that's why we opened up 
our party to two spaces. Ah, and we've smart. created, yeah. um, like we have Arcade, where we have um, the Arcade as a spot. We have City Lights Vintage and the gallery. We kind of did that so that people can walk out and go to other places. And now we have, you know, Chris will talk about his new space on Fairfield yeah. Avenue, which has been added to that um, kind of walking, meandering and mingling, we call it. And we <laughs> part of it is, yeah. you know, for good health and for good socialization, but also for, just to kind of keep us safe, you right. know, too. Yeah. So can you give us, say, two highlights each day, like from Thursday okay. through Sunday, sure. November the 10th through the 13th? What's not to miss? Sure. Well, the Reed space always is the artist choose artist show. Ah, and that's mm-hmm. a great, like, that's like the homecoming, right? So mm-hmm. artists will choose an artist um, to show with. And that's always, they always pack the walls. We're going to have in there the Bassick High School Jazz Band. with wow. the, Yeah, with their <laughs> school teachers and Matthew Detroit, who works for Keys, which is a music education program in the schools. They're going to play and that'll be like jazz and um, um, blues standards, R&B, I believe. And then in the, on the arcade, we have multiple sites that'll be open. We're going to move um, Ayaba Ibo Mandingo's beautiful sculpture, which was first shown at the Norwalk Art Space. It's eight feet tall. It's going to be in the arcade atrium, and we're going to have live music there. We have Al Jam and the Reggae Lucian, and he describes his band as um, Jamaica being in Jamaica on the beach flavor. Uh-huh. For his music, so it's all the Bob Marley and um, and some of their own as well that they'll play. That'll be a five piece band, and then um, let's see, Friday, uh, Lauren will be talking about the new art downtown, the new public art that's happening downtown. Uh-huh. Chris will also talk about his piece. Uh-huh. He's got a new canopy uh, piece going up by Reed. So there's going to be that'll be uh, we're, instead of a pub crawl, it's a public art crawl. Lovely, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So that'll be a mixture of looking at art and enjoying some nice beverages mm-hmm. along the way too. And then on Saturday, uh, more drinking. Uh, we have <laughs> yeah. a mimosa and, and music at the Nest in the morning and. Nice. Um, there's all, and then we'll have an art talk. So we figure after they have a mimosa, you know, the artists might want to <laughs> walk around and talk about their art a little more. Mm-hmm. We also are going to have in two sites, Cardi, which is a mobile oh, yes. art museum bus, yes. which will be at American Fabrics and the Nest over the weekend. You can find out those mm-hmm. dates there. Um, we have the Swamp Hogs. And I, I um, <laughs> this past year, I have had the great fortune to take a studio myself at the Nest. And I have to tell you, it reminds me of the needs and the conditions and the joy of being in an art community, which I lost for a while. I've been ah. so much of an arts director, right, and yeah. curator. So now I'm in that again. And, and I think it really helps to ground me to yeah. do what I'm doing a little more. Mm. And it gets me making more art when I teach, too, which makes me more fluid. But um, I've been listening to the Swamp Hogs practice mm. And they're getting better. They're good, but they've been getting better and better. And so they're going to play in the evening there. And then on Saturday night, you got to come to 245 Fairfield Avenue, where I've been calling it Ursa Minor. (laughs) But um, um, Chris has another name, Lorca uh, Coffee Roasters. We're going to have punk rock on Saturday night in the evening on Fairfield Avenue. And that's because right next door to where Chris was, 
I had my first art studio above <laughs> Murphy's Law, which was Pogo's, which was a punk um, bar. And um, so we're going to have some punk music in there because yeah. he just opened a place. And briefly on Sunday? Although on Sunday, um, the studios are open, and now I'm uh, trying to, f- I'm not remembering. See? Oh, oh, we're going to have a Bridgeport Film Fest at oh, the Bijou, okay. and we also have Pachaka Cha as well. And then the studios are open yeah, those two days, of too. That's great. Well, uh, very rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Chris, let's turn to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You're an artist, a gallerist, an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much, I guess, what I do. I <laughs> I, uh, I started off as an artist and, you know, painting and um, uh, eventually uh, opened up a gallery in Brooklyn in 1998. So I've been an art dealer for about 24 years. And um, so what brought you to Bridgeport? Um, well, I would say lo- location, um, infrastructure, um, high density of population, uh, ec- economic advantages. Um, so like um, that, as far as the business goes, um, w- was w- my draw to Bridgeport. Um, and as far as the city goes, the architecture, the being close to the sound and just the, the, the it's a beautiful city. So th- that's another thing as well. And also the great art community, which uh, Suzanne is a huge part of in the Bridgeport Art Trail. So um that, that that's probably the encompassing things. That- so what's interesting is that somehow you 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 were tired of uh, Brooklyn and Bridgeport was like the new the new Brooklyn in some yeah fashion. I have to say, like uh, I went to the Open Studios in Bushwick, which is kind of a large concentration of artists, and um, and that was a couple weeks ago and. Uh, we actually in Bridgeport do a better job. Well, Suzanne does a better job. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so I have to say that we yeah. uh, we have more studios and more to see here. So, um, and and it's just um, you know it's just a perfect place to for creative people to kind of conjure and um, make something happen. And you know we have the space spaces available, and um, and you know hopefully there'll be more studios being built out and. It just seems like it could be a really great epicenter for art in general, uh, not just in Connecticut, but uh, worldwide and, you know, you know, national, wow. nationally. So I, I just. Um, so it sounds like you have great ambitions. Uh, tell us a bit, little bit about um, your new space and what your event will be in the art trail. So um, I just recently uh, acquired a space, uh, 245, 247 Fairfield Avenue which is right next to the Bijou. Um, and right next to us here at uh, WPKM. <laughs> yeah, right next to Fabulous WPKM. Fabulous location, yeah. Yeah, and um, so um, first I'm, I purchased a roaster, so I'm going to be coffee roasting. And uh, we, my sister started a business called Lorca after the poet mm. in Stanford uh, 10 years ago, which I helped her with building and I helped her throughout the pandemic. I worked there for a couple years. Um, and um, yeah, so just kind of starting a coffee shop um, and a roaster. And her her business has had great success. It's probably on Yelp, the most popular coffee shop in Connecticut. Um, huh. And huh. Um, and we have great art up there that I curate. I mean, of course, that's my opinion. But, <laughs> um, but uh, anyhow, so... 
Um, that and then the Gallery Ursa, which is um, something that I started here in Bridgeport two years ago, almost exact. We started on the trail in the depth of the pandemic. Uh, I signed the lease before the pandemic and started the art trip, started opened the gallery two years ago, which was very, very com- conflicting time yeah. to open up a gallery. But that, uh, that's in the arcade. That's, that's in, in the, the arcade, arcade. Yeah, which is a, an amazing building and uh, and just fell in love with the building in general. And I have had a studio in the arcade since 2016, but started the gallery um, two years ago, um, you know, um, and then we just kind of just continue mostly conceptual shows. We have uh, a couple shows coming up during the art trail. One's called Drawing in the Dark. Um, and it's uh, it's sort of an immersive show where people are going to be in the dark with uh, little LED flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> and, Sounds amazing. Yeah. And then we have another show called Bringing It Downtown, which is trying to gather artists from all over Connecticut and just bring them downtown. Hmm. And so we're working on the promotions of those. And then Suzanne, of course, is also curating in the arcade. So we, we, we're kind of combining efforts. And uh, it just a great supportive community here and like, you know, having mm-hmm. Suzanne and other people as well, it just feels right. Um, I kind of, yeah, I've been here since 2016 and I'm finally like pedal to the metal now to try <laughs> to get things going. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so it's, um, you know, we are also, um, uh, going to Miami in December. So Bridgeport's going to Miami, the wow. gallery. Um, so that's another thing that we're, so- so two things. So tell us um, a little bit more about you, you're going to have a, a gallery in the um, in the uh, cafe oh, as well. Is that we, a plan? We have um, that's kind of Suzanne's bringing a punk band, and we're doing. A, I'm, I'm, I have a studio right now at the at the space. It's not uh-huh. the space is still really really raw. Right. Yes. there's no. So perfect uh, for a punk concert, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the amenities aren't great, but they're so. so <laughs> There's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's that. So we we might have some beverages, but the, even the restroom, we we got to figure that out. It's things like that. So yeah, it's just a a raw space at the moment. So we're um, we're hoping to you know eventually be open within the next six or seven months. Um, have the coffee shop, and also we're bringing Ursa down to the location. So they're going to be separate entities, the coffee shop, Roaster, and Ursa. So Lorca and Ursa are going to be separate entities. My my sister's run a successful coffee shop for 10 years, and I've I've been an art dealer and run a gallery f- since 1998. So I Sounds like a perfect yeah. combination. So we're, we're trying to, like, combine <laughs> <Chris>. our efforts. <laughs> so thank you, Chris. Sounds yeah. very, very exciting. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County and the October 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Our program today first introduced Randy Cohen, Vice President for Research at Americans for the Arts, who, as part of the Arts and Economic Prosperity Study, now underway in our region, will be visiting us Wednesday, October 19th. The second part of our program is dedicated to looking at highlights of the upcoming Bridgeport Art Trail with Suzanne Kachmar, Executive Director of City Lights Gallery, Chris Dam, founder of Bridgeport's Ursa Gallery, artist Richard Collini, member of the American Fabrics Artist Building, and Lauren Coakley-Vincent, 
President and CEO of Bridgeport's Downtown Special Services District. We'll take a short break now um, to bring on our other two guests. Welcome back, and welcome Richard and Lauren. Hi. Thank you. Hello. Hey. So turning to Richard, uh, now you're an artist at the American Fabrics Building and are organizing a number of art trail events there. Uh, tell us first something a little about yourself, Richard, something about your work. Uh, yeah, I usually introduce myself as a textile artist, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, my chosen... Um, Work is in quilting primarily, and the majority of the things that I make are either uh, recycled, repurposed, or using organic fibers. That's great. How long have you been in Bridgeport? I moved to Bridgeport in 2003, and I set up my studio at the American Fabrics Building in 2008. Ah, so what brought you here? Uh, I had just graduated with my master's uh, in fine art and textiles, from the Rhode Island School of Design and secured mm. a job with Denise Schmidt Quilts, who is another artist in the American Fabrics Building. So I moved to Bridgeport to work for her. That's great. And you, uh, it's working and you stayed. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I, she actually rather sneakily took me real estate shopping when she bought her uh-huh. house. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> I discovered the Bridgeport House Market and bought a wonderful place down in Seaside Village and have been here since. Fantastic. I gather you recommend it to other artists. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about uh, what you'll be doing at the Art Trail. What are you most looking forward to? So we have been having open studios in the American Fabrics Building, goodness, for 15, 20 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, The building is open to the public. It's a totally public-facing event. It's an opportunity for the community to enter the building and see what working artist spaces look like. It also is a sale for a number of the artists in the building. It's uh, one of the few opportunities we have during the year 
to actively sell our work to anyone in the public. Most of us during the rest of the year either seeking gallery shows um, or selling directly to clients. That's great. So um, it'll be open all four days of the art trail or just the weekend? Just the weekend. So the Saturday American and Fabric Sunday, Building yeah. um, is open. Uh, it'll be open Saturday and Sunday, November 12th and 13th from 10 until 5. Great. So a um, question I'm going to ask everyone, what do you think the art trail brings to Bridgeport? Should I start? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, as I mentioned, it is, it, uh, it's a public-facing event. So it's just a total community-minded event, and it's free. So it reminds me of when I was a kid and the huge impact it had on me to be able uh, to see yeah. working artist studios. So it's a chance for anyone who lives in Bridgeport or Connecticut at large to enter these artist spaces that are normally private and see how the art is made. That's great. Well, thank you very much, Richard. Let's turn to Lauren. Welcome, Lauren. For those um, who don't know, can you tell us what the Bridgeport Downtown Special Services District, the DSSD, is and what its involvement in the arts has been and why? Thank you. Welcome. Um, thank you for yes. in- including us on the show and welcome to everyone. Um, it's been really interesting to hear everyone's comments about the impact of the art trail. You know, uh, Downtown Special Services District is a business improvement entity focused on um, supporting the commercial businesses in the neighborhood. And we're so lucky to have a wealth of creative businesses of many types, whether they're um, galleries or um, uh, nonprofit uh, organizations like uh, neighborhood studios or, or performance venues like Downtown Cabaret and the Bijou Theater. Right. Um, so we have a wealth of this kind of organization um, or sector. And so the, the DSSD um, felt that it was uh, our unique uh, our unique angle to draw people to the downtown to really focus on arts and and, and culture. Um, so the Bridgeport Art Trail has been um, such a wonderful partner and great benefit to the community to really draw people down at a time of year when it is colder and less um, less <laughs> enticing. Right. Um, so we love to see all of the people that turn out and want to check out the art scene that we have um, in the neighborhood. And apart from the art trail, you've worked with Suzanne pretty closely over the years. What are Mm -hmm. some of the results of that relationship? Yeah, well, what I really appreciate is uh, Suzanne always has a ton of ideas and um, partnerships uh, in in the back pocket seem seemingly coming from everywhere. So uh, I think uh, one of of the more recent ones that has really um, worked well was this uh, multi-partner collaboration at the Arcade Mall um, that I think Chris Mm -hmm. might have mentioned, Arcade, where it was, you know, Rick Reyes was organizing the music, um, so local musicians of many different types were performing. Um, There were vendors. There were also the businesses that exist in the Arcade Mall. Um, You know, food, music, and and some arts and culture became a real draw uh, to the neighborhood. And, um, you know, it, it really touched on many different um, interests of different target audiences. Right, and really pulls people downtown, which is what everybody wants. Exactly, and going from destination to destination, I think that's what really worked. It was not just the Arcade Mall, it was also City Lights Gallery and and a few other spots along the way. Now you have a public art walk that you'll be running during the art trail. Tell us about that. (laughs) 
Um, so the downtown Bridgeport is the home of a number of um, public art installations currently. And um, on our website, colorfulbridgeport.com, there's a downtown guide to public art um, that people can check out and, and go on their own walking tour right now. And I'm happy to share that we'll have uh, five more murals up by the art trail by our uh, pub crawl day um, or night. Yes. Um, And three of those murals will be painted by Bridgeport artists. Um, And the two two others, uh, artists from Hartford and one from Brooklyn. So, you know, we're staying pretty local, pretty regional with our um, investments in the arts here. Um, And, yeah, so the the event on the 10th um, will be – I'm sorry, the 11th, uh, Friday the 11th, will be uh, just a, an introduction to the many different public art sites, a bit of a walk around, and then if people get thirsty along the way, we have places to stop and get a beverage and, and then keep on going and, and check like, out the neighborhood. Sounds like yeah. a can't miss. I'll definitely be there. And lastly, yeah. uh, 30 seconds, what do you think the Art Trail brings to Bridgeport? I think the Art Trail brings to Bridgeport a curiosity and uh, folks who are, are interested in exploring the city in a way that they might not have a reason to or, or no to um, any other time. So it's a really great way to introduce new people and bring people back because uh, it's, you know, while it's yeah. the same format each year, it's diff- everything that goes on is different. The artwork's different. Um, so it's new and interesting every year. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. Uh, Suzanne, we have one minute. Back to you to wrap up. So uh, any last thoughts about the art trail? Oh, God. Well, you, we just talked <laughs> about the arcade, and I just want to say we're going to have the Oddities Bazaar, which we did last Halloween, which was very popular. So we are going to have that in the arcade as well on Saturday. And I just want to say bridgeport-art-trail.org. This is a weekend not to miss in Bridgeport, from the Klein to the Bijou to the different uh, spaces to see. It's really something. And a lot of hands-on, family-friendly um, workshops shops will be happening too and live music so there's something for everybody yeah and that mixture of being able to go into did you say 200 artists studios oh, yeah. no not 200 <laughs> artist studios no. but working with 200 artists, artists i yes. never counted how many art but there's like you know six spaces alone yeah, yeah. some of them do have 30 artists in them That's so great. it's might not be too far off all right well we're looking forward to seeing thousands of people coming <laughs> yeah. to bridgeport Um, on November the 10th to the 13th. Thank you so much, Suzanne and Chris, Richard and Lauren, for your input today. This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You have been listening to our October 2022 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, we first introduced Randy Cohen, Vice President for Research at Americans for the Arts, and in part two, previewed highlights of the upcoming Bridgeport Art Trail, hearing from Suzanne Kachmar, Executive Director of City Lights Gallery and founder of the Art Trail, artist and gallerist Chris Dam, artist Richard Collini, member of the American Fabrics Arts Building, and Lauren Coakley-Vincent, President and CEO of Bridgeport's Downtown Special Services District. You can hear the show again on WPKN Podcasts on SoundCloud, I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County.